Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, after signing Rashad Penny and trading for DeAndre Swift with Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield as well, and Boston Scott, who leads the Eagles' backfield in 2023 in a massive rotation. Plus, the Eagles signed a tight end today, and Debo Samuel keeps talking about the NFC Championship. All that and more on this Thursday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers Monday through Friday on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. I'm Louis DiBiase, alongside as always my co-host Gino Camilleri. And it's Thursday, which means it's episode four or five, even through the dead zone of the offseason, Monday through Friday, we're here for you every day. We appreciate you making us a part of your day, 365 days of the year. Do you know one week after the 2023 NFL draft yesterday, I sat down with the guys from Lockdown, Georgia to discuss all the Bulldogs the Eagles are bringing in, right? I mean, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. Kelly Ringo, last year Jordan Davis, and Kobe Dean. They had some awesome stuff to talk about when it comes to those prospects. And we did mention DeAndre Swift a little bit as well with the trade, but I wanted to dive more into that move specifically from this past Saturday as we've been really featuring the prospects because I think it's an interesting situation. This is the first time since I would say 2000 and I don't know, 18, the Eagles are going back to a more committee approach because they they wanted to, I think, with Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard for the first two years, but both guys battled injuries, so one of them was always taking over. And then in 2020 to 2023, or 2022, Miles was the bell cow. So this is the first time they're kind of getting back to what they wanted in 2017 with Ajayi, Blunt, and Clement. So we know that it's going to be split pretty evenly between Swift and... Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, heck, even Boston Scott will be involved. But if you had to predict one guy is your lead back in a committee approach like Ajayi was down the stretch of 2017, do you think it's Swift? Do you think it's Penny? Could it still be Gainwell? It's funny that you say Miles was a bell cow back when he probably averaged, what, like 16 well, in the carries day, a game? Right? Yeah, in the modern Philadelphia. Go back to like the Brian Westbrook days. Dude's or LeSean McCoy. Yeah, obviously even, you're not right? that. But for comparatively speaking, he was definitely much more featured than other typical, you know, quote unquote, starting running backs. Yeah, if you're doing a four by race, he was the the lead, the end guy, right? right. And he he was the guy that carried you home. And let's say you extended that race out with the 1,269 yards that he had last year. Yeah. And after him, it wasn't a running back. It was Jalen Hurts at 760. Kenny had 240, and Boston had 217. So you're saying, let's say Jalen gets the 500, right? You you probably want to cut back a little bit on the running, just only do it when it's necessary, which he started to do down the stretch. So you're probably going to have to find 1,400 yards on the ground behind between DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Well, look which, at the carries too, Gino. Two fifty nine for Sanders last year. The next running back was Kenneth Gainwell at fifty, or excuse me, it was Boston Scott at fifty four carries. So you're going to have to replace all of those carries, right? 200. And yeah, if not more. And Jalen had it 165 times. So let's say just to make it easy, 300 carries and 1400 yards. 
I believe you should be able to get that out of DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. And I loved what you said about the Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard approach, because if you're looking at it, that's what it should be. But with two guys that run more explosively than Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard really ever did. And just look at the numbers. I'm not saying that for revisionists, Miles was good at many times, but you look at DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny on the field, those two guys are top in those two categories when it comes to explosive runs. And Rashad Penny is that big back that can take yards after contact. DeAndre Swift is going to be able to be utilized in the passing game. So you're going to make up some of those yards there as well. If I had to say when it came to yards on the ground, Lou, I'm betting on Rashad Penny, if healthy, should have probably 750 to 800, I think is playing it safe. And then Try and get 350 to 400 out of DeAndre Swift on the ground, mixed in with some care or some catches in there as well. Given yeah. more touches to Kenny Gainwell, given more touches to Boston Scott, I think it'll make a nice formula because the Eagles aren't going to be very one dimensional when they put those four guys out there. It's going to be able to play a very chess like approach if they were all queens. Like they can all do a lot of everything, right? As much as you say DeAndre is a, a great receiver, Rashad Penny in his own right is a pretty good receiver. And so is Boston Scott, sure. and so is Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, exactly. And I think this could be the Blunt, Ajayi, Clement type of trio, right? Where Blunt and Ajayi were your featured mm-hmm. runners, and then Corey Clement, clearly the receiving back. Kenneth Gainwell, I think Jalen Hurts trusted Kenny G last year, and in 2021 a lot when it comes to throwing the football to him, a lot more than Miles Sanders. You look at two-minute drills, do you know how many drives in two-minute drills over the last two years has Hurts thrown it to Kenny G back-to-back-to-back plays and methodically Mm -hmm. move down the field. Gainwell has been a huge piece of that puzzle in the backfield since he was drafted out of Memphis, where he played a lot of receivers. So could he be your Corey Clement of this backfield for sure? But I will say DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, as you mentioned, much more complete backs when it comes to receiving ability as well compared to what you had with LeGarrette and Ajayi and even like Jordan Mm -hmm. Howard as well when it was him and Sanders. So I do think Gainwell is going to be third in this rotation and between Swift and Penny, it'll probably be pretty close in carries, but I will say injuries do have to do with it. Penny misses more time than Swift. And so Swift is also a better receiver than I think any of these running backs. I mean, his totals Absolutely. are pretty impressive. Receptions-wise, his first year, 46, then 62, then 46 catches last year. So when you consider his overall complete ability, I think it's going to be really close snap-wise and carry-wise for Swift and Penny. But overall touches, I think I would lean DeAndre. And if you go back to Miles Sanders, his best year as a receiver, he had 50 receptions. And then after that, it was 28 26 what a crazy drop 20 what a wild drop off right and you absolutely need that element to your game because you saw how good that 2019 offense was when you really didn't have a true receiver and you could go through the running game and we were always saying okay when you get good receivers that'll be a great supplement to have in the passing game but they never got to that point and to go to Rashad Penny he's only had 27 career receptions Lou but he averages 8.2 yards per touch that's the thing about he's just an explosive player like if he gets the ball in his hands it's tough to stop him and I trust the Philadelphia Eagles to scheme up a running back way better than what the Seattle Seahawks did with a way better offensive line. You talk about keeping them healthy. Well, Rashad Penny's taking a bunch of hits behind a Seahawks line that isn't the best, right? And the Lions, they got better, but it still isn't what the Eagles were. Imagine these guys now behind that line. That's the thing that really should make you 
perk your eyebrows up a little bit saying DeAndre Swift, man, what's going to happen when Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson are pulling yeah. out and they go up to the second level. And now you got guys seven yards downfield blocking for you. And DeAndre Swift only has to make one man miss in the open field. That's the exciting portion of it. For sure. And then what about Rashad Penny on a, just the inside zone when you're able to just create that good wall for him. And he's just got to make that, that box safety miss. Those are going to be the runs that we're going to be able to see again. You got them out of Miles Sanders, but now it's not just one guy. You have two guys that you got for way cheaper. You're not paying them the money that Miles Sanders is getting, and you're maybe be able to rejuvenate both of these guys' careers to where they can go and get a compensatory pick selection next year if you aren't yeah. able to sign them for the money that you're looking for. One, if not both, for sure. And so... Mm. I think, too, them wanting to keep Penny healthy throughout the majority of the season might also lead them to feature Swift a little bit more, and it's going to be a very balanced rotation between the top three and even Boston Scott. So I'd probably lean, like, total snaps, I'd probably say Swift. When it comes to overall touches, I'd also say Swift because of the receiving game. But I will say if, and it's a huge if, if Penny stays healthy, he leads his team in rushing yards. I mean, he... Again, the last two years, do you know, when healthy is the most efficient running back in the league. And the Eagles have been wanting to get DeAndre Swift into their offense over the last couple of years. And I'm very excited to see what Coach Brian Johnson, offensive coordinator, can do with not just him, with the 12 on 10 element of Jalen Hurts, right? When you have to have one guy spy him and then all of a sudden you get out to the boundary and boom, there's DeAndre Swift. You just get him a little pitch on an option run and he's that out to feature. the Yeah. Gino, you all. have not had that feature in this offense since 2019. It's the one thing this year you could really add that you didn't last year was an explosive receiving option in the backfield. I can't wait to see that again because we had so much promise coming out of that 2019 year of what Miles yeah. Sanders could have been. And that's really always been the element of Philadelphia Eagles receivers. As good as LaShawn McCoy was making guys miss in the open field, one cut, he was an unbelievable pass catcher and he just kept evolving. Underratedly and, so. Yeah. Absolutely. And same with Brian Westbrook. I don't think he'll ever get the respect that he deserves. Yeah. I mean, well, then you had Sproles after McCoy. Without too. a doubt. Yeah. You just continue to add them into the long line. And here you are again. And you have to remember that Kenny Gainwell is beloved by this franchise. And he's only going to get more opportunities. And Boston Scott isn't going anywhere. He might have had the biggest play for you when it comes to a receiving passing game. In the Super Bowl, when he made those two guys miss on those oh, electric yeah. cuts on the field that nobody could find their footing, you got to get a guy like that on the field. And then on the back end, even Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks are beautiful practice squad options for you that if you need a fourth guy in a pinch, boom, you got one of those two guys. For sure. So it's going to be fun to see how this backfield shapes up, but it is promising. It is explosive. It is efficient mm -hmm. and it is extremely cheap. The Eagles have the right approach right now at running back. They're smart. And a lot of these other teams like Atlanta and Detroit, not sure what they're doing. It's something more that belongs, I think, in the 1980s and 1990s mm -hmm. for sure. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break right here in the Lockdown Eagles podcast. When we come back, 
because of this backfield, because of just overall the complete roster that is the Eagles in 2023, this might be the first time, at least in a while, that an Eagles season is truly Super Bowl or bust. Why? We'll get into that coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And guys, today's show is sponsored by Bilt Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories, but also you don't want to sacrifice taste, then you need the best tasting protein bar, Bilt Bar. You got to try these if you're like me and you don't want to sacrifice flavor of a candy bar, but you want a healthier snack choice, check out Built Bar. Their Built Bars and Puff Bars are healthy and taste amazing. What makes Built so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, which is the go-to, cookies and cream. Not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories in each bar, four grams of sugar, and a wild whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been telling you to go to Built.com and order a box. Now you can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, while you still can get your specialty flavors at Built.com as well. Head over to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of the cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later, and we thank Built Bar for sponsoring the Locked On Eagles podcast today. All right, Eagles fans, we are continuing on this Thursday edition of the show. Shout out to the everydayers Monday through Friday for tuning in all throughout the year. We are your only daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Gino, the Eagles, real quick, before we get into I wanted to talk about why I think for the first time in my life as a fan this year might be Super Bowl or bust, but the Eagles actually did make a signing today as well, adding to the tight end room. They brought in former Jacksonville Jaguar uh, Dan Arnold to compete with Grant Calcaterra, with Jack Stahl. This is a guy that had a couple back-to-back 400-plus yard receiving seasons, so has some experience and I think is an upgrade in the receiving game at tight end. They did not add one in the draft or not sure with the undrafted pool, but uh, not a bad move, I think, in May. They did bring in Brady Russell from the University of Yes, Brady of Russell. That's right. You mentioned him. As a UDFA, but that shouldn't keep Dan Arnold from being the clear-cut number two tight end in this yeah. offense. And Not super it, exciting, but it's definitely an upgrade. It's one of those things that needed to happen, right? Because mm. you saw what was the worst case scenario if Dallas Goddard goes down? Well, you don't really have much in the receiving game. Yes, Grant Calcaterra had some bright spots. Jack Stoll has some bright spots, but I would say Jack Stoll is basically your sixth offensive tackle, like what Brent Selleck was for you towards the end of his career. And Grant Calcaterra, he still has a long way to go. And an injury history. And an injury history, and he retired from the sport. So you can continue to try and – take shots at the tight end position. And the thing about Dan Arnold that I think is the most exciting, Lou, is what his yards per reception numbers are. Over the last three seasons, his average 14.1. And then for two different teams in 2021, he averaged 12 and 11.6, Carolina and Jacksonville respectively. And then last year for Jacksonville, he averaged 15 yards per reception. So if you're just trying to find another guy to hit in those short to intermediate windows, which will allow Dallas Goddard to be moved around the formation more, you can use him as a blocking tight end more, which we need to utilize Dallas Goddard as a blocking tight end in the run game because he's just that good. But out of necessity, he has to be involved in the pass game as well. 
And now you have another option with Dan Arnold, which should filter into that four-man rotation, which I inevitably think it'll be. But he should be that second guy off the bench with Dallas Goddard and him being the guys in 12 personnel. Because you can't be handcuffed to have two guys that really aren't pass catchers at that position. When you have been known as a team and an organization that loves 12 personnel, even before Nick Sirianni, and Nick Sirianni wants to continue to expound on that. So why not go out and get a veteran guy? He's how old? What? 28 years old. He's been yeah, in the he's only been in the league 2018. since 2018. Yeah. And he has two 400 yard receiving so seasons. Same got Why yeah, not? back to back 2020. He had 438 yards, four touchdowns on 31 catches with Arizona. And then in mm. 2021, uh, 408 total with Carolina and Jacksonville. So yeah, it's an upgrade at tight end. And you know, this roster becomes even more complete. And you look at just how absolutely crushing Howie Roseman's draft was this past weekend is this roster as good as 2022 on paper? It looks almost as good. Are we guaranteeing them to be the most talented in franchise history? Like last year was not sure, but you know, I will say I was thinking about this this week, just looking at this roster on paper, at least in my lifetime as a younger 25 year old Eagles fan that didn't really go through the two thousands NFC title losses, right? I really was not coherent enough as like a five to seven year old kid. I will say this is the first time that, I don't know if I'm going to find any sort of satisfaction unless a it, I'm we're almost in Patriots territory where if this year does not end in a Super Bowl, I don't know if I can feel like even last year, there's a lot of victories that I, I'm proud of, even though that Super Bowl loss was absolutely demoralizing. And although like 2018 had high stakes in 2019 and even the dream team and the Chip Kelly 2015 season, those years had reasons that I wasn't disappointed when it didn't end in confetti, right? Like 2018 and 2019, look at all the injuries. I was just proud they made it all the way. This year, it's like they're set up to do it. Their roster's incredible. They have an MVP quarterback. They're in a conference with no other MVP quarterbacks. If the Chiefs don't repeat, I think the Eagles should be the favorite. So, and I think this is a good thing. It just shows their expectations are through the roof. But I, I truly think this is my first time ever where I'm saying it is Super Bowl or bust, at least from an emotional perspective. Well, for those of you looking on YouTube, over my right shoulder here is a picture of Donovan McNabb, Chad yeah. Lewis, and Brian Westbrook right. on a See, I'm sure a lot of our Eagles right? fans are saying this is not the first time for us, but for me, for me it is. For yeah, me, right. I remember vividly sitting in my room and crying, and my mom yeah. consoling me after every NFC championship that they lost, and it's like, yeah, we'll get there next year. They should be good enough. They should be good enough. And then you lose a Super Bowl, and you don't get back to that point for nearly a decade and a half to get to that Super Bowl. And that's why you have to appreciate each season as it is. But I love that you brought up the point of the Patriots. It shouldn't be that, oh, we're hoping for a dynasty. We're hoping for an expectation. And that expectation should be what the early 2000s were for the Philadelphia. Yeah, when you consistently get there, Gino, at some point, like, it's fun the first time. Like, 2001, there wasn't, like, this outrage when they lost in the NFC Championship. Mm -hmm. But by 2003, 2004, 2008, when you keep knocking on the door and your team is this good and you're expected to do it and you keep setting yourself up to do it, you got to get it done or else there's not going to be the moral victories of even 2021. Like I was proud that team made it to the playoffs. I wasn't mad. I mean, it was alarming when they lost in the wild card round because what it Mm -hmm. showed of Jalen Hurts, but I didn't think that team was winning a title this year. Even last year, I didn't expect it this year. I, I expect it. When you come into the whole landscape of what this season is, I I believe that that is a 
take and an opinion that I think many of us share because you're looking yeah. at where the NFC is. When you go back to, to the early 2000s, yeah, Donovan was the man, but there were some heavy-hitting NFC yeah. teams in that. Greatest show on you, turf. Yeah, you have to go back to those days and really appreciate what it was. Now you're looking at the NFC saying, there's not a team sniffing the Eagles right now. And it's not a single team that has an all-pro quarterback. You have you have the best quarterback. Hurts is the, the only conference. one that's been an all pro. That's a starter right now. Yeah. You have the best offensive line in the conference. You have the best defensive line in the conference. You continue to add depth at all of those positions. You have multiple yeah. all pro cornerbacks. You have multiple all pro receivers. You did it last Devontae year. Will, I mean, you yeah, made it all you got over the there Super Bowl. last year. These are real expectations, Gino. Like again, 2011, the offseason, there were Super Bowl predictions. 2015, I, Adam Schefter picked Sam Bradford to win Super Bowl MVP. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, 2019, there were those expectations. But this year, I think it's different. I think these expectations are real. And that's why for me emotionally, I just I don't think I'll find any sort of moral victory unless, again, any victory unless they win it all. Which is, again, that's a, it's a good, fun feeling. That's The team is on that level now. And we were having this conversation like what happens to the team that loses the Super Bowl and all the apparel that they printed for them yeah. well, somewhere that nobody is going to ever find it. Right. It's off on some forbidden Island or some foreign yeah. country. Yeah. And nobody ever remembers that when you're doing trivia, nobody's like, Oh yeah. Remember the team that lost in that Super Bowl, lost in that world series. You want to be that team that is remembered. You don't want to be like those early 2000s Eagles. Yes, that was the expectation, but did you ever get there? And I mm. think the difference between those early 2000s Eagles and this team now is the leadership, the people yeah. in charge. That was still a young Jeffrey Lurie. He was still on one of his first head coaches. Andy Reid was his guy. He felt like that they had everything that they needed in the season. They did go above and beyond and get Terrell Owens. Well, things backfired on them a little bit, right? Now, Howie Roseman knows that even if things backfire, you can't stop emptying the clip. You have to keep unloading and say, yeah. we have to keep taking shots. We can't not sign Jalen Hurts because we signed Carson Wentz. We can't not draft Jalen Hurts because we signed, we drafted Carson Wentz. We can't not draft Devontae Smith because we drafted Jalen Rager. You have to continue to take those shots to get you over that hump to be considered this team. And we always say the show is better with expectations. Seasons are better with expectations. And why is that? Well, what is the prize in this sport? It isn't to have all pro odds. It isn't to put people in the Pro Bowl. It's yeah. to lift the Lombardi trophy, and that's what you want to be remembered for. And now with everything that you have, that should be the expectation. The guys they're bringing in come from schools that had that expectation when they were playing in college. Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts, Alabama with the guys like Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson, and now all these Georgia Bulldogs. You're yeah. building that culture. That second place isn't good enough. And you were right there last year. That's the thing, Gino, is I for – a while that night thought the Eagles, you were up by 10 at halftime. I thought they're winning a championship tonight. Mm -hmm. So once you get to that point and your head starts to go there again, it's hard to go from there and then take a step back and be like, well, we won the NFC title. We won the NFC East. That was fun. And I did it to a degree this year. I don't think I have it in me again. This team mm -hmm. should win a Super Bowl, and uh, it's a fun, but pressure field situation for sure. The team that's probably competing with them the most in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, you know, they're still talking about 2022. Debo Samuel made some comments today about Eagles fans and the Eagles overall that we'll get into to wrap up this Thursday edition of Locked On Eagles. 
All right, Eagles fans, we're wrapping up this Thursday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. And I will say, Gino, the Minnesota Vikings of 2017, embarrassing, right? To see the fans, you know, dressing up Rocky and just totally embarrassing themselves after the game, just going after Eagles fans and then complaining about how mean everybody was to them, just even though they totally for an entire year and there was the New Orleans Saints of 2018 you know these teams that complained just huge crybabies and a lot of it had to do with Philadelphia right Kamara and, and saying they would have beat the 2017 Eagles them playing dreams and nightmares just all this petty stuff that made outside of the division teams in the NFC still rivals I'll say one thing San Francisco the, the 49ers right now are topping the, the Vikings and the Saints when it comes to being crybabies. Debo Samuel said today that he hates the Eagles more than anybody right now, that the, the fans of the world, I mean, just the sorest losers right now. And it, it's making them, I, honestly, I think it's funny because they are so bitter about it and I love it. The great Dak Prescott said a couple of years ago, I love this quote because I use it tongue in cheek all the time. Winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners. And that's exactly what happened with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, it sucks. But if your plan is Brock Purdy is going to win us a national NFC title. Yeah, it's get not like out it was Dodge. Jalen Hurts that went down. I mean, get out of Dodge and. Nobody ever felt sorry for Philadelphia Eagles when their quarterback goes down. I mean, Donovan McNabb goes down at the first game I ever see back in 2006. Nobody's crying when Jeff Garcia's starting a playoff game for you. Nobody's crying when Nick Foles, as much as we were scared and had the debate of Knight Sudfeld, Nick Foles went on and won a Super Bowl with a team that I don't think was as talented right. as the roster that San Fran had and last year. I know year, Josh so. Johnson got hurt, you know, and I know they literally did not have a quarterback at that point, but you could have dressed a third guy. You could have not had a tight end blocking Hassan Riddick or Nandonik and Sue. You could have blocked hurt. Sue in the middle. Yeah, so, I mean, to act like it was just all on the Eagles and, like, the 49ers, they couldn't avoid the situation they were in is ridiculous. And even to assume that with Brock Purdy, they were beating that team. The Eagles marched down the field the first drive and scored a touchdown. Then they force a three and out. Why are you assuming you were going to beat the Eagles even with Purdy? Maybe you don't get blown out, but I still think the Eagles win that game. It's not like the Eagles are frauds that just got lucky. I mean, give me a break. Look what they did against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And was Jalen Hurts not putting up points on your defense that couldn't get home and affect the quarterback on the other side of the ball? Well, they were they were running it down your throats. I mean, it wasn't Hurts' best game, but it didn't have to be because of the offensive line. Just like they were destroying the strength of the Niners team anyway, which was their defensive front seven. And that's what I'm saying. Overall, they yeah. didn't do a good enough job on their side of the ball and didn't take care of business. And much like the Saints didn't do that a couple of years ago, and Minnesota right. didn't do that either. Complaining about a penalty it's just for two years, man. Another one of those things that you, you just can pee on the fire hydrant, which is Philadelphia Eagles fans, because you're going to get a reaction out of them. But at the end of the day, there is no fan base that will travel anywhere and support their team as much and quite literally go to bat for people that you might never have an interaction with in your life because it's only us that can say bad things it's like about that family member that hey they might have ate too many hot dogs around the holiday and put on too much weight and you're saying no you can't call him fat only we can call him fat right <laughs> like you can't talk about only our we Eagles. can say he needs to eat a built bar next yeah time. only yes exactly lou exactly but the thing i i look Shane's at with plug. san francisco and 
I look at with the rest of the NFC and there was a comment from the general manager of the Lions when they drafted Jameer Gibbs and talking about the idea of them selling low on DeAndre Swift. And they were trying to kind of like boast that they had more information about taking running backs. And like, you don't, all the fans don't have that outside information. So we'll, we'll take this guy, but we yeah. won't take Jalen Carter, but it's like, why do you have to even say that? Because Howie Roseman is smarter than you and you're just trying to make yourself look smarter. When at the yeah. end of the day, our general manager and our team is just doing things that are getting them well, to that position to succeed. I mean, look at quarterback. Do you know the Niners and Lions, like their rosters, I would say are two of the rosters that could push the Eagles the most, but their mentality and strategy right now, when it comes to the most important position in sports, like sure, Brock Purdy got hurt, but Brock Purdy, like we were saying, it's not some MVP caliber quarterback, right? So right, we're claiming this guy is the next coming. Or like right the now. Lions are maybe talking about an extension with Jared Goff and Good they luck. passed on the quarterback class this year. San Francisco might not even give Trey Lance a chance despite his ceiling. They, they're just going to run it back 22. with Purdy and He's redo the Garoppolo era. I mean, they don't, to me, the Eagles right now are clearly the top team in the NFC. And mm -hmm. I think they're in a tier of their own. And then it's San Francisco. Then you can throw. I don't even want to say Detroit yet. They haven't even made the playoffs, but Seattle and Dallas and Minnesota, New Orleans. There's just a bunch of average good teams in the NFC, but they're really, to me right now, is nobody that's great outside of Philadelphia. And uh, Debo doesn't think so, but I think you put Purdy in that game last year and they still win it. But I, I love it, though. I, I think it's fun to have rivalries with teams outside of the division, and the pettiness is good. You need a little NBA-style uh rivalry still in this league and there really isn't that much i mean even with the cowboys and eagles today aj brown's chirping cd lamb but then he's like taking it back so <laughs> yeah and michael parsons and him are like best friends they're boys they're yeah nice. parsons yeah. like likes the eagles he's from the pa area right i mean he went to he's Penn just State. a smart dude like he but just that's gets the league football. now gino guys are yeah. players are close around the league and with fantasy and gambling i, I think that's how it is uh, philadelphia is unique where they're old school like they still hate the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mm -hmm. But I think sports in general, just you're seeing less and less of those old school rivalries between players, fans, pretty much everything. Yeah, the, the Niners are just getting in their feelings a little bit. Oh it's gosh. just everybody on that team. I love it. They should keep keep using the media for this platform. It's great. I'm I'm glad I'm I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan and support this team because what was their message after that game even against the Chiefs it wasn't oh the turf is bad it wasn't oh we should have won this game yeah, it was, oh we point, have to man. go on and we they have to it. figure out a way to go in. that that's what it should be accountability is figuring out where you're weak finding yourself a way to get over that hump and only the great teams do that, that good to great gap. The Eagles have to find out how to do that this year. So they continue to be in that conversation and have those expectations for sure wanted for nearly two decades. We'll continue to talk birds tomorrow on the show. One more podcast for you this week and then another five next week. Shout out to the everydayers for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. You can find us on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter at Lockdown Birds, at DBSCLOE, and at GC24 underscore football. For my co host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's go, birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.